Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 219. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Prilliman. I'm joined this fine Kingdom Hearts 3 release day with Jess Dunks. Hi, this is Jess. And Broken King. Hello. Hi. So today... We are going to be talking about uh, the lore of Kingdom Hearts. We're going to be talking about uh, Kingdom Hearts 1. We're going to be talking about Kingdom Hearts 2. Uh, we're going to be talking about 365 Brian. divided by 2.01 Unchained Melodies. Brian, are you yes. sure that's not a are you sure that's not a Castlevania game? It sounds like it is. Um I think that's a song from like the 70s. Unchained Melodies? Unchained well, Melody? It- if we're going to if we're going to from, spend from seventy two hours explaining a video game, I'm going to spend at least two of those hours talking about the Royal Rumble. So okay, that's fine. Uh, right, the Royal Rumble. That but speaking of Castlevania, I want to talk about Symphony of the Night. Like it's one of my favorite games. <laughs> Jess Dunks, what is a man? <laughs> a miserable pile of secrets. I'm not going to spoil the Royal Rumble, Brian. I'll tell you not on the air. Oh. But it was okay. good. It was good. At okay. any rate, how, what right. are we actually here for? We're actually talking about uh, the policy change and the rule, some of the rules changes that came along with Ravnica Allegiance. Uh, because there were quite a few and they caused a little bit of a stir online. So we're going to be talking about them today, this evening, or this afternoon. Whenever this may be. Whenever this is, yes. Um, so... Uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna start with uh, um, <laughs> a rules change that we actually talked about on the release notes episode. Yes, we did. Um, we did. Uh, and other than that, most of the rules changes were kind of boring. <laughs> Just like he's like, here's what riot means. Here's what afterlife means. We're like, oh, okay. Um, but there was one rules change that says that that clarifies that uh, uh, abilities that can have up to in targets cannot be considered mana abilities even if they have zero targets. So in our in the release notes episode, we mentioned a card uh, called Priest of Forgotten Gods, which has an ability that adds mana to your mana pool, but it also says any number of target players each lose two life. And so because it can require any number of target creatures, eh, even if it has zero, still a mana ability? Shrug emoji? <laughs> I... I'm curious if this impacts anything anywhere else, but I like that it came up during our release notes episode and then is coming up again here. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, when, I, when, when it came up, when we were looking at it for the release notes episode, I actually looked for other cards that did this and I couldn't find any. They might exist, but if they do, they're obscure and their text isn't quite the same. So I, I don't think this affects anything else. Uh, if somebody out there knows that it does, please send us an email, judgecast.gmail.com, so that we can know because we want to know. Yeah. I, yeah. I personally, I personally think I've heard a theory that it involves a card called Tasabo's Web, but I think it's because they don't, from a coding standpoint, they don't like a card changing between being a mana ability and not being a mana ability based yeah. on based on the the functionality. So it's just a a a, a thing that makes developing for an online game easier. Uh, mm. So it's 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 that, but also I think this goes into the recent, you know. The philosophy behind the recent ban and restricted announcement, one of the things they said about uh, banning uh, Crockland Ironworks is that they didn't want somebody's success to be based on archaic rules knowledge, right? And this is the kind of card where, you know, when uh, an ability, if an ability were sometimes a mana ability that didn't use the stack and sometimes a regular ability that does use the stack, that's the kind of archaic rules knowledge they don't want people getting an advantage from. That makes sense. All, yeah, I know uh, we, we brought up the KCI thing. I know there are going to be some people who are frustrated by it, and that's entirely valid if that's a deck that you played a lot. But I I 1000% understand that banning and am behind it. <laughs> just just watching watching it play out, you're just like, oh. Yeah, I mean, oh. it, it, it makes sense. I get it. Like, I played Birthing Pod, and I loved it, and then I played Eggs, and I loved it, and then I played <laughs> Splinter Twin, and I loved it, and they, they just they just keep, you know, banning just, things. So, you like to play decks that win. This is true. So what I'm hearing <laughs> is, is if you want to know what's coming up on the next ban and restriction, a restricted announcement, just 
find out what Jess is playing. Ask Jess what deck he's well, so playing. Well, so there, there are what two kinds of playing? there's two kinds of decks I like. They're the kind that that I come up with and I'm like, oh, this is a neat combo. I think I can make it work, and I try to you know make decks better around it. And then there's the kind where it's like, oh, some people whose opinion I respect and are good at magic say I should play this, so that is what I will play. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that's and reasonable. I, yeah, like, but I love I love. Uh, like, Birthing Pot is one of my favorites, because I love these toolboxy decks where you have lots and lots of options. Uh, and those don't really exist right now in a good form, in my opinion. But uh, but that's okay. Um, it's also off-topic, okay. so... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. We, should, we, we had a, we had a, we had a reasonable, reasonably large shake-up to a, to a format, so talking about it and related things is... Is legit. Uh, yeah, so to clarify, if you don't know what we were talking about, Clark Clan Ironworks, the card, is banned in in modern, uh, which we didn't actually say at the beginning of the conversation. <laughs> um, and uh, are there any other... There, there were some card changes, though, right? Coming up, there were uh, not, not bannings, but like actual right. Oracle text changes. Right. Just, just one there, card? Uh, no, there were a few, but like there was one change in dealing with flag bearers and spells... From the like effects of the opponent that, or your effects, <laughs> where the opponent get to choose targets, and that's really really down in the weeds. And there was a bunch of non-functional changes, but there was one significant functional change. I changed that. I had to ask earlier, like, why is this a thing people care about? Mm-hmm. And it's about a Johnny's Pride Mate. It used to say, whenever you gain life, you may put a plus one plus one counter on a Johnny's Pride Mate. Now it just says, whenever you gain life, put a plus one, plus one counter on a Johnny's Pride Mate. And I'm sitting here like, why? Why does anyone why care? Why does this matter? All right. Who's going to decide not to put a counter on the Johnny's right. Pride Mate? But specifically in like, you know, some standard decks and, you know, corset draft where the only places this is going to come up, right? I guess maybe a commander right, yeah. somewhere. Maybe somebody would choose not to, but like, you're, for, you're very for- rarely going to choose not to. Yeah. Uh, this changes so that I don't have to click take action a bunch of times when it, when this trigger happens on MTG Arena. You don't have to say, yes, I want this. Yes, please. No, really. Yes. Right. Over and over right. again. Right. I don't have to say yes to, to <laughs> you know, five different tri- – when I, when, I, when I attack someone with five soldiers with lifelink, I don't have to say, yes, I want to do this five times. Uh, I just It just happens automatically, which makes it so much easier. And actually, I think it's been that way for a little while already on Arena. Yeah. So, so this card originally, like back in the day, like going in the way, way back machine, cards used to say when X happens, you know, or when you gain life, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Or, you know, when this happens, you gain life. And back in 2011, when this card was originally printed, uh, forgetting to put a plus one, plus one counter on your pride mate would give you a warning. Okay. And three warnings is game loss. Right. So what they did was is they changed it to May for tournament policy reasons. So that if you forgot it, we could just say like we could just shrug emoji. You don't get your counter because it said May and you, you didn't. So you don't get it. So it's it's kind of weird that there are some people that are upset that we changed a card for arena. But in reality, the, we changed it or Watsi changed it to May to fit better with tournament policy. So it was it was doing time. past us a favor and now they're redoing right. current us a favor. Right. Yeah, so well, I it's, think I think to be fair the reason a lot of people are upset is is that it sets a precedent that that might happen with other cards in the future for Arena, right? That they just might decide to change things uh even though none of the actual physical cards say this just for the ease of Arena. Which actually to be honest I'm fine with, and I know there might be people that are like, That's, "Oh, I'm not fine with it." I'm fine right. with it. I'm not. I'm not scared that yeah. arena is is right. going to be a huge problem for for paper magic uh, in the long run. I, I don't think it will be. Although I do see, I do understand people's fears about it. Uh, I, I think it's going to work out okay. This guy's not. Yeah, falling. I mean, r- right. It's going to change the way new people. Well, it's going to change the way a lot of people interact with magic and it's going to feel weird for a little while. Right. But I, I I don't think it is, it is bad for the health of magic as a whole. And, right. and they've done, they've done things like this in the past. You just might not have noticed. Uh, for example, a few years ago uh, when uh, the return to Innistrad uh, uh, 
came Sh- out. Shadows of Innistrad? Yeah, Shadows over Innistrad's. Uh, they changed how madness works. Right. And the the functional change, there was a slight functional change to ma- uh, to how madness works in paper magic. But the big change was is you eliminated a whole click on magic online. Right. Because what happened was, is it used to be when you went to discard the card, you chose whether or not you were going to discard it or, or madness it, it. Yeah. Or exile it. Whereas now with the rules change, it was just, it went straight to exile. So there was no decision point um, at, at, at that point. It went ex- to exile and then you made the decision to, to cast. So it reduced a click. So yep. they, there is a precedence for this. Um, right. In Ma- some Mag- form. Ma- Magic Online did not, uh, completely changed the landscape of how people interact with with magic so yep so uh, th- yeah i i think it, it did have some pretty substantial impacts but i don't think that the like in long term it, it turned out good you know yep. it, it yeah like it's I, I don't know if i agree that it didn't substantially change the landscape i think it did but in a good way right yeah. More people are yeah, engaged. That makes and sense. More more people are you know, people who are competitive have a better place to to learn and play, even if they're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, and I'll I'll tell play. you, duels duels of the planeswalker brought a lot of people into the game. Yeah. That's how I learned how to play. I see Arena doing the, the same thing. Oh yeah. There's so many so many people now that are that are into Arena. Um I had judged a a, a PTQ at DreamHack here in Atlanta and uh there were players in my top eight of the PTQ who had never played Paper Magic before and only played on Arena. Uh, that's that. I actually think that's pretty heartwarming. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah. It was interesting. There was a steep <laughs> learning curve because the, yeah. there is definitely a lot more tracking of stuff that happens in Paper Magic, uh, <laughs> and like asking them to to track things uh, that they weren't used to tracking, like say their life total. Um, was, because was the game doesn't do it for you. Because the game doesn't do it for you, right? And like I had a player who who wasn't tracking his own life total. He was relying on his opponent to do it, and I just kept asking his opponent what his own life total was. <laughs> you're, and, my, you're my you're my you're my computer tracker, right? Thanks. And so so I had to stop that player in the top eight and ask him to please track his own life total, and gave him a pen and paper. <laughs> so one one thing, and this is before we get into the policy discussion, I want to I want to illustrate uh, specifically for judges, you know. NTOs, call, call you guys aside for a second. Come on over here. Let's let's talk. Um, <laughs> these players that are playing on Arena and they are coming into the store to play Paper Magic, you as a judge, as a TO, have an opportunity to make that person a customer for life. Yeah. Or at least for like five or to six years. So you want to make sure, you know, really put your customer service hat on and the big customer service smile and and really show that person that that coming out to the store and playing the, the the paper version of the game is much better than than sitting in at, at home at eleven o'clock uh, trying to get that that thirtieth uh, uh, creature kill in whatever black deck to get your uh, your you your seven hundred and twenty to- gold seven hundred and fifty <laughs> gold for the day. And also to, don't uh, play fifteen white creatures. Yeah. Also, don't forget uh, that. If Wizards of the Coast keeps doing what they've already done, uh, which is that in the last pre-release there were there were free draft codes for Arena. So if you played in the pre-release, your pre-release kit had a token in it that had a code that would give you a free uh, Ravnica Allegiance draft on Arena, um, and it also had a code that gave you three free packs. So if if somebody comes into your store and says that they only play Arena, at the very least you could. You, you're almost certain to be able to turn them into a pre-release regular. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, I like that. Ooh, uh, I'm gonna another small tangent. The most important magic news of the week is that there is a new Mountain Goats album that's themed partially around like magic, and they went and performed a sh- small concert at Watsy HQ yesterday on stream. So if you like the Bay and the Mountain Goats. And you like Magic the Gathering, there exists this very strange intersection of things you care about that you should go listen to. That's really cool that there was coverage for that. It was so cute. Yeah. Um, but 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 policy matters too, and we can talk about that too. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So so all right, so we talked about the Oracle change uh that was basically for Arena, and we acknowledge that and, and I'm fine with it. Uh, <laughs> what what's next? What's next on the list? 
so I guess the 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 big change for Miss Triggers is what we're going to talk about now. Uh, they they changed just a few words that actually has a pretty uh, significant uh, 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 impact. Okay. Uh, so the first one is there. There were several categories of uh, of missed triggers. It was, and, and I'm not talking about like how you tell when a trigger was missed. It was once you determine a trigger has been missed, then you looked at the type of trigger to determine what category it was in. And there were three types of triggers that didn't expire, and when you found them, you kind of resolved them immediately. Right. Okay. Other other ones were, and and the opponent didn't have a choice. It was just they happen. Uh, and those types were triggers with default actions. So things like uh, uh, like the packs, pact of negation, stuff like that are kind of the big ones where it says like um, those particular cards uh, say during your upkeep pay three blue blue. If you don't, you lose the game. That's yep. a default action. Um, there was another one that says enter the battlefield effects of an aura that causes a visible change to enchanted permanent. That's like. You know, you play an aura on a creature and it taps the creature and then it doesn't let it untap. That would be a visible change is the tapping. And then there was this other one, delayed triggers that cause a zone change. So specifically, this was this was cards like uh, Obsidat uh, uh, had a trigger where it would it would exile itself. And then at the beginning of your next upkeep, it would return itself to the battlefield or effects that caused a token to be sacrificed at the end of like it would create a token and say at the end of turn sacrifice it Geist or, of St. Traft Geist of St. Traft uh, Kiki Jiki was the same uh, then you also had some cards like uh, uh, the uh, um, uh, the Amonkhet gods that had this you know when they one of the um, they would return uh, they'd to go your back hand, to your hand right? yeah they died right. they, they died then they would go back to your hand at, at, at the beginning of the next end step yeah. and there was a card called prized amalgam. So those are those are the delayed those were the types of uh triggers that didn't expire. They've made a change to that. Um so uh uh what what that changes is first they kind of split it off. It's no longer a bulleted list. Okay? They just the change to auras that enter the battlefield and create a visible change on the opponent virtually the same, uh, uh, functionally unchanged. The only change to that is they got rid of the little bullet point and just made it like its own little paragraph. Um, the so next, it's no longer part of a, of a subsection of things like this. Right. The, the delayed zone change trigger, uh, got a, a, a little bit of a hanky word change. It's, it's clear what it means, but it's, 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 if the triggered ability is a delayed triggered ability that undoes, a zone change, including token creation caused by the spell or ability that created the delayed triggered ability, the opponent chooses uh, whether or not to resolve it. So what's what's actually happening here is they they kind of carved out when we were talking about the delayed zone change trigger, when we were talking things like Obsidat and the to- the angel token created by Geist of St. Traft, um, they kind of carved that space and said, okay, those still, we want to keep those, but like prized amalgam and the uh, and the and the Amonkhet gods, we're gonna separate those a little bit because Prized Amalgam just has a trigger that sits in the graveyard that's just waiting for something else to to happen to return to the battlefield. It it's not like uh, it's, it's not going somewhere and then right. it's not making itself go somewhere and then coming and back. then coming back. Uh, I think um, there's another card like Aetherling where it like it basically disappears for a little while and comes back. Obsidata disappears for a little while and comes back. The tokens, they're created and then they go away. So they appear and then disappear. And it's all kind of related. It's it's you move it and then you undo the move. Amalgam doesn't have that. The gods don't have that. Uh, the Amonkhet gods because they go they don't go from the battlefield to the graveyard and then from the graveyard to the battlefield. They go battlefield graveyard and then graveyard hand. Mm-hmm. which is different, which is not undoing the zone change. Um, as a small note, uh, you trailed off when you were saying this, and I think the end of oh. the statement matters. Um, you said the opponent chooses whether or not to resolve the ability and then trailed off. Oh. It's not whether or not they're choosing to resolve the ability. It's going to happen. If the opponent chooses whether or not to resolve the ability the next time a player would get priority or when a player would get priority at the start of the next phase. You're right. I you're right. I should I should have gone over it a little bit. Um, now that's it. There, so there used to be 
two exceptions or two two of these triggers that don't expire. Mm-hmm. The third one was triggers with default actions. That's been removed, so that now falls into the category of just regular old triggers, missed triggers. Right. So what's what's up with that? I mean, that just means like if I if I play a creature with like fabricate to use something from a recent set, for example, and uh, I forget about it. And then a little while later, I remember my, uh, you know, it works like any other trigger now, right? We don't force the default action. It works like any other trigger. We, we my opponent gets to choose whether or not to, to put it on the stack. Cool. So you, you do you, and with pacts, they are not automatically going to to kill you. Right. Right. When it's right. put on the stack, uh, you know, you you uh, get to choose whether to pay for it or not. So if you can afford to pay for it, you, you can just pay for it. So that solves that problem of, of, oh, I accidentally forgot my pack trigger. Now I lose the game. Uh, you still might lose the game if for whatever reason you can't afford to pay for it now that we remember it. Uh, but but you don't automatically lose, you know, just because you went to your draw step. And and so this is this is still you, you, the, you the opponent can be like, hey, you need to pay for your, you know, hey, that pact was supposed to trigger. Trigger goes on the stack. The opponent has the ability to pay. In the case of Pact of Negation, they have the ability to pay five, mm-hmm. three blue, blue, to to not lose the game. Um, the opponent can still wait until you cast a, a creature or a spell or something like that. Right. And now you don't have five mana and say, hey, pack trigger, please. Well, they, so- they, they also don't have to put it on the stack, right? Like, this is not like those... those- previous ones we talked about where they have to put it on the stack in this case they, no. they could choose not to if it's for example a fabricate trigger they could be like i don't want either the counters or the thopters uh right so no um so it is different in that way as well um yeah and uh now, go ahead so there were there were people uh I've, I've seen online that some people are are kind of upset about this about this change because mm-hmm. the the theory is is well they can miss their pack trigger and not lose you know doesn't that give them incentive to cheat? So so for context, this is if Brian has a pact of negation, uh, he misses his trigger to pay for it, he only has five mana, he plays the grizzly bears, and I say, aha, Brian, you have to pay for your pact. And I knew all along, I was just waiting for him to play a creature. That's okay. Yeah. Right. The, the well the con- the concern is uh that now um i i played my pact now during my upkeep i'm supposed to pay 5 mm-hmm. okay i decide not i you, decide you might decide not to, to cheat pay. you might decide to yeah, cheat i have i've decided you, you to are cheat. more incentivized to forget the thing than you were yes. previously right so so what was what was happening before was my watchful opponent could then wait until I draw my card and say, hi, you didn't pay for your pact, you you lose the game. So the odds of me forgetting or, or the odds of me trying to run that cheat are very poor because if I have an attentive opponent, I just lose. Right. Okay. Um, in, this, in this particular case, if I have a, a, an inattentive opponent, then if it goes a full turn, well, then I just, you know, the trigger is just <laughs> triggered. Nope, no trigger. You're in the clear. Um, right. But it's still if I have a completely inattentive opponent. Um, so what will happen is there, we're, we're still saying, you know, call for a judge. The judge is still going to do an investigation. Missing your packed trigger is, you know, we're, we're going to ask questions about that. And if we think that it was done on purpose, well, that person's going home. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so... This this also applies. Now we've been talking about packs, but there's also uh, an impact to certain cards like uh, Kataki Wars Wage and Tabernacle of Pendril Vale. These are cards that give opponents creatures triggered abilities with default actions, specifically pay <laughs> one or sacrifice it. Right. So, so so Tabernacle was one where you would quote get your opponent a lot with because they had to remember the trigger. And and there are people upset where it's like I play Tabernacle now your cards have these triggers and if you forget then you have to do the default action which is sacrifice your creatures ha I got you okay um, from from a strategy standpoint eh um, <laughs> you, you know uh, you, you shouldn't be playing the card to like play some sort of IPG 
tricked him into into forgetting the thing, so now they have to sacrifice all other creatures. Right. You're paying it so that they have to make the strategic decision of keep their guy or 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 sacrifice it. Uh, pay to keep pay to keep their creature, and that's why you're playing the card. And that's what's happening now is they're going to have to make that decision. Well, it should be why you're playing your card. You know, there there, there, there have been entire <laughs> decks built around breaking policy in the IPG. I've seen it before. Docra Mystic comes to mind. Right. Uh, that uh, that card where it's like uh, you can only draw one card yeah. like when DEC was a, a game loss. Yeah. Uh, and pe- people would yeah. people would like activate abilities that made their opponents draw cards. And when they did it, they'd be like, oh, gotcha. Um, yeah, okay. Oh, good game lord. Do, do, do. Yeah. I, I watched somebody uh, I watched somebody 5 a grinder. Where that was their strategy uh, in a GP, it was bad. Um, I, th- I think we've I think we've explained that piece of it yeah. pretty thoroughly. Yep. Um, one note um, related to all these tabernacles and whatnot. Um, another small tweak to this is that uh, previously, for things like tabernacle, not only would I. Uh, have to all, all my creatures die for the, from the tabernacle trigger when the default action happened. I would also get a warning uh, for missing a trigger that I was responsible for. A detrimental trigger. A detri- sorry, a detrimental trigger that I was responsible for. Yep. That that is now only true if I own the permanent. Well, it's it, the the wording. The wording in the IPG is is if you if uh, you own. Uh, or if you control and own the permanent responsible for the creation of the trigger. Right. Right. It's, it's slightly different than the permanent that the trigger is on, because in the case of Tabernacle and Kataki, they actually give triggers to other permanents. Mm-hmm. So in that particular case, the Tabernacle and the Kataki are responsible for the creation of the trigger, not the creature that it's it ends up being on. And I am not... Even though my creatures have the thing, have yeah. the ability, have, are creating that trigger, yeah. I do not own the permanent that is creating that trigger. Yeah. And and so so if I if I play Tabernacle and then don't tell Brogan that her creatures have this little death watch on them, <laughs> um, and then she she misses them, the end the end result is, uh, uh. I'm going to get to decide whether, you know, call the judge. I get to decide whether or not it's put on the stack or not. I probably want it to be on the stack because that's <laughs> why I'm playing Tabernacle. And she's not going to get the warning. I'm not going to get the warning either. Okay, because it it is her trigger, but it's not created by a, a, a permanent she owns. It's created by the thing I own. And I'm paying attention because I want those creatures gone. Um, <laughs> but maybe I want to pay for them. Now, there is. Well, sure. That works for me, too. You know, <laughs> there is a little bit of weird uh, splash damage from this uh, in terms of other things that can Im- impact. And the thing that comes to mind is the recently printed card Captive Audience, uh, mm. which is a card that I can control but not own. And it, that happens every time I cast anybody cast the card and it has a detrimental trigger. Uh, so th- in this weird circumstance, because of this policy, as I understand it, uh, missing this trigger would not be a warning, even though it's a detrimental trigger. You do you understand that the same way, Brian? Yep, I, I do. Given given the 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 wording, because own is you know the card started in your library in your deck, and if I give Jess a captive audience, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he controls it. He doesn't own it though. However, again, I because I I gave him the captive audience. I'm really really incentivized to you know. Oh hey, you forgot your captive audience or. Right. Or you could just sit there and put your put your head in your hands and just stare at them and be like, "I'm being a captive captive audience because I want to see what you're going to choose." <laughs> I'm the captive audience. I'm the captive audience. Yes, you can discard your hand. You're going to give me some zombies. What you going to do? Card's so cool. It is. Uh, all right. Do we have anything else we want to say about all these fun trigger changes? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very like simultaneously definitive, but also like. Hesitant, no, but I'll take it. It's definitive and hesitant at the same time. It was, it was a determined no, but you, you were, you were not happy about it. It was more, it was more. I'm ready to move on, but I'm willing for objections. <laughs> I'm willing to listen to other, uh, other opinions on this topic. But speaking of other topics, <laughs> uh, there's a, a, a small, there is a small change to hidden card error. Yeah. Um. All right. Yay. What's that? 
I mean, it really is. What the, what they tried to do is they tried to clarify the line of the line between uh, when looking at extra cards becomes hidden card error, because that's always kind of this question, right? People people are constantly like having differences of opinion about, where's the, about where's this. Where's the line? Where's the line? If I start, if I'm right. supposed to draw a card and I start to pick up two cards, mm-hmm. you know, is that, or I said drawing extra cards. Uh, if I, if I have, if I'm supposed to draw one card and I pick up two cards, is that hidden card error? Is that looking at extra cards? What is that? And so what they've done is they've, they've tried changing. Uh, they've tried a different wording now. Maybe, maybe this will help. Uh, <laughs> it, you, I don't think it, I'm not very optimistic. Um, it says, uh, uh, it used to say this infraction does not apply to simple dexterity errors, such as when pulling a card being pulled off the top of the library sticks to another card uh, and is seen or knocked off the library. Uh, cards themselves must be part of a distinct uh, uh, set the pl- intended by the player with, so they replaced all that wording, with, if an additional card is seen but not added to the set, the infraction is uh, the infraction is looking at extra cards. So if I start to pick up two cards... And I'm only supposed to pick up one. So I start to pick up two cards. And before I add it to the hand, it's looking at extra cards. If I pick if I'm supposed to scry one and I pick up two cards, uh, it's looking at extra cards until I start to scry. Until I actually start the scry right. part. Yeah, if the order of those um, cards changes, it, it's a set at that point. Yeah. Right. right. Um, and and the, the pro- where the confusion is still going to remain on this is people having, having different thoughts on at what point it enters the set, I think. Uh, or or if they mix the cards up, you know, especially if it's like I'm supposed to scry two and I pick up three cards and I'm looking at the three cards and I realize I'm only supposed to be looking at two. Did I change the order or not? Don't right. know. Hey, hey uh, opponent, do you know? Opponent's not paying attention because opponent isn't going to do that. Um, <laughs> the opponent is never paying attention. <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, uh, so interestingly... Uh, hidden card error, or something in hidden card error, kind of caused a change somewhere else as well. Uh, in that, uh, so there, there's a there's a partial fix under GRV for for an object being in the wrong zone, um, and where sometimes you can fix uh, fix that by just moving it back. Um, and one of the one of the ways you could do that is if the identity of the object is known to all players now. This is intended to be a change that's not functional, but see, HCE also uses the word identity in its in its dis- uh, definition. As or part it's, of its, its definition. Of, uh, so, so in that sense, identity means I don't know the face of the card. I don't know what card it is. Uh, and that's not what it means here. So they changed that to say the exact object is still known uh, to all players. Yeah, it's it's. If you're supposed to right, if you're supposed to play, um, there was a there was a split card from the last time that we were we were in Ravnica where it's like it could uh, bounce a creature to your hand and make you discard a card. Uh, so if I discard a card and I discard it to the top of my library instead of to my graveyard, yeah, um, then that card we can we can point to that card and say that card is a, that card on top of the library is the card that you were supposed to discard. That is a the identity of the object, uh, the 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 exact object is known to all players. I can point to it and say that thing. Right. I don't know what its name is, but I know that it's that thing. Yeah. And then we can just take it and put it in the graveyard or put it in exile and be done with it. Uh, cards moving from exile to uh, to the top of the library is one of the only – or from, from – sorry, from the hand to the top of the library is one of the only ways you're going to end up with this problem. There are a few other weird yep. minor ways that you could end up with this problem. Like if, for example, like if you – if I go to attack with uh, – uh, what's that creature that, that exiles cards uh, face down when it attacks? Uh, Bomac uh, yeah. Courier. So courier. If I go to attack with uh, Bomac Courier, for example um, – and you tap my Bomac Courier down, and I go, okay, it's tapped, and then I pick up a card and put it in exile, and there aren't any cards there already. Everybody knows what card that is, and we know it's supposed to be on top of my library, and nobody's looked at it. So so this is a situation where that could apply. Yep. And and this is supposed to be a non-functional change. It's just the wording of identity in the GRV case meant something different than identity in hidden card error. Right. So they changed the wording to clarify the intent. Right. And I will clarify that the example I used could turn into hidden card error if there are 
all actually no it can't be a hidden card error ever only grv wow that gets awkward in a hurry forget i said that uh <laughs> There was, for for this example, there was a period of time where I was just like, oh, you had a morph creature, and then it died, and you put it on top of the library instead of instead of, instead of the graveyard. I was like, yeah, that's when it would apply. Oh, but you're supposed to Except, reveal yep. <laughs> when it left the battlefield. But maybe it didn't. You still would know. It's that guy right there. You can still fix that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, okay, so that was that was fixed. Uh, yep. What What else has been changed? Let's see here. Uh, an example was added to the limited procedure violations. Uh, the the most common of the, of uh, yeah, I, infractions. I, I've I, never given this. I, I have given this one. Um, I have definitely given this one. Usually, uh, if I'm giving this infraction, it's because somebody is doing something silly during a competitive REL draft. Um, yes, and, and that that silliness is usually stuff like like looking at their cards at the wrong time, which right. is a silly way to get this yeah. warning. But what's that? Yeah. Well, now there's there's some other there's some other silliness to get this warning. Yeah. Well, so this example that's been added is a player moves their head to the side at inappropriate times. So basically, this means that like if somebody moved in a way where maybe they could be looking, uh, if you don't believe they were looking, but but you know it could be, uh, we now have the leverage to give them a warning to reiterate that they should not do this thing. And if they get a second warning, that becomes a game loss. Uh, and that should be clarified when you give them the warning the first time. Yes. Like, hey. Don't do this again. I saw you were doing this thing. Don't do that again. If it happens again, you will receive a game loss. Uh, is a, is almost certainly enough to make sure it doesn't happen again. Uh, and then if, the, if it does happen again, you should still be looking at whether or not you think this person's doing it on purpose. Because now they clearly know it's against the rules. <laughs> Yup. All right. I don't want to talk about this one. Like, I feel like we need to. I hate, oh, yeah. All right. This, this one's is easy. Your, this is right up your alley, right? I'm, well, it's. I mean, it is and it isn't. Like, all right. So, so this this exists for basically one reason, and I'll get into why. So that they've made, we made a change to loops, uh, and that is uh, if you've created a loop by making choices, and you have In, involving hidden information, right? Involving hidden information, yeah, and you have another. Uh, to make another, I'm not even sure it says hidden information, but you have to make another choice. Uh, this doesn't mean you have to take an action. We still aren't forcing you to take an action you wouldn't normally take. So let me give you an example. Uh, if, if my opponent, if the only non-land permanents on the board are three oblivion rings, the game is going to end in a draw because they'll just keep looping, uh, and exiling each other and bringing each other back over and over and over again. And if there are no other permanents on the battlefield to choose, uh, that's an infinite loop and ends the game in a draw. Now, if I have uh, a naturalize in my hand, I don't have to cast the naturalize. You can't make me take an action to that effect. But if I'm already taking an action, uh, then then I need to be able to show that I don't have another action to take. And basically, with it, with, with this, that's very very weird sounding. So let me give you a functional example that actually could come up okay. in standard. Yes, please. Thank you. Uh, so let's say that uh, you have no cards in your library, but you have this awesome planeswalker named Teferi in play. Um, Teferi has a sweet ability that says you can put a target non-land permanent from the battlefield into its owner's library third from the top. Uh, it doesn't say another target non-land permanent, so you can use it, even though you're out of cards in your library, you could use it to put itself back into your library. And then every turn you'll draw to fairy, you'll cast it again, you'll put it back on your library, and thus you will never lose the game from drawing from an empty library, right? Yep. Now, if both players are doing this, this is a loop. And we yep. talked about this, I think, exact example on our, our loops episode some time ago. This is a loop. Yes, we did. Uh, the game's basically, this is a loop over multiple turns, game's going to end in a draw. Okay, great. But what if, uh, what if... You have Teferi. I don't have Teferi, but I am still playing an obnoxious blue deck. So I have Nexus of Fate in my deck. <laughs> I have eight cards in my hand, and at the end of every turn, I'm discarding Nexus of Fate uh, to... I'm revealing a discarding Nexus of Fate. Okay. Well, before, we were in a situation where 
you were making a choice and taking actions, and I technically wasn't taking any actions because I was just doing what the game rules required. So basically, you were going to have to make another choice at some point. And I wasn't because I was just following the game rules by discarding Nexus of Fate. Yeah. Um, now, that's awkward. You've got, seven other, you've got a bunch of – you've got seven I've other got cards in your hand. I've got seven other cards in my hand. And clearly, they're not all Nexus of Fate. Hey, what if they are? Could be right. Dark Steel Colossus, not in standard. Oh, uh, <laughs> sure. true. <laughs> but it could be Dark Steel Colossus. It could be Progenitus. There are other options. I get it. But like, <laughs> like it's not okay. And if it is, let's say we are playing. <laughs> That's just modern. not let's the say case. It is coming up in modern, and you somehow have Nexus of Fate and Blight Steel Colossus in your deck. Uh, that's four cards. I think those are the only we covered them now. I think those are the only four cards that do this. <laughs> right. um, and uh, uh, you've got Nexus of Fate and Blight Steel Colossus in your deck. Uh, Sarah Avatar. And uh, yeah, sure, Sarah Avatar. And uh, you're discarding cards. And now you've got eight cards in your hand, but they're all these cards that do this. Well, now you can't make a different choice, but it's hidden information. So now you could call a judge and be like, Judge, can you verify that I can't make another choice? And the judge would be like, Yep, can't make another choice. And that's the end of it. Uh, so weird, yeah. but I I like it. Yeah, and so that puts us back in that awkward situation we were in to begin with. Um, the mm. fact that this changed means that it has come up at least enough for there to be a question, which is ridiculous. Yes. But I also understand it. Um, <laughs> and, and like I, Teferi is so good. Oh my god. Um, and this is the only reason this comes up. Yeah. So I I'd like to, I'd like to we we've talked about loops now. Like twice within the last three to four months, uh, can you know how when we do when we do uh, uh, some some of these evergreen podcasts, uh, we don't talk about the subject again for like three to four to five years. Sometimes, yeah. I I would like I would like to not ever talk about loops again. Uh, shout out to to CJ for causing everyone to talk about loops on our Twitter. It was really funny. I appreciated it. What's the opposite of a shout out? It's just like uh, I, a call out. A call. Out. I'd rather glare at him. Like I'm just I'm glaring. A, sh- so a shout at out. Would that be like a whisper in? <laughs> like in the most literal t- interpretation of shout out. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> a whisper in. So so we actually had a, a, a work conversation the other, the other day. Uh, someone made a periscope and and brought it in, and we were like, "Ooh, a periscope." And then we turned it upside down and called it a short person simulator. Oh, no. And, and it immediately brought up the question of, well, what's the opposite of a periscope? And, and like, it just had a bunch of engineers refusing to, to look it up to actually know and just started talking very confidently about something that no one had ever thought of before as to what the opposite of a periscope is. And it turns out there isn't one. I was about to ask if you got an actual answer. I'm, no, we ended up having Alas. to look up the definition. I'm pretty sure and, and Periscope does not require that it goes up. It doesn't. It, it's just to look oh, uh, it, to look around an obstacle. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty so sure it if it goes go, down, it goes it's still a Periscope. And I'm pretty right. sure that some aircraft actually have that. Yeah, it well, can go sideways. Sense. It yeah. can go sideways. Yeah, that's what I mean, that but, they don't uh, all go up. Uh, anyway, it is really cool, though. Like, that's a an interesting aside. It is. Um well, we can we can go on. Do you want to do you want to talk about uh, periscopes a little bit more, or maybe do you want to like a roll of dice to see if we should go on to the next topic? Uh, well, so now it's time for us to talk about loops. Um, so we're yes. <laughs> I I made I made a face when you did that. I'm so proud of you, Jess. <laughs> Jess is the one keeping it fun tonight. All right, um, I made a grump. I made a grumpy cat face. Is what I uh, did. But for real, though. For real, though. Yeah, so we made some big changes. And these, if you're listening to this episode and you've been putting up with us for the last, you know, 40 minutes or so, uh, we appreciate it. Um, and this is probably the thing you're most interested in hearing about, to be honest. Uh, this is the changes to improperly determining a winner and the changes to bribery. We're going to talk about them one at a time. First, we're going to talk about improperly determining a winner. Um, it's First of all, it's now a match loss unless someone knew that it was illegal. Uh, because then it becomes cheating. So the penalty for improperly determining a winner is a match loss, uh, unless they were cheating, and then it's a DQ. Um, we have removed the requirement that a, a player immediately uh, contact a tournament official, uh, or they will also be DQ'd. That does not mean that you get to accept an offer to improperly determine a winner. What it does mean 
is that just like any other infraction, you are required to point it out as soon as it happens. Uh, you are only required to point it out to your opponent, tell them that it is illegal, and and then move on from there. And you're not allowed to move on by then are, doing it. You're just moving on with the rest of your right. life. Yep. Uh, you are you are no longer going to be equally penalized for not right, right. calling a judge you if that still, happens. We still want you to call for a judge. Right. Please do. And, please do. Uh, but you're no longer required to. You can just tell your opponent, hey, that's no bueno. And because of the things we just mentioned, we've added something to the definition, and that is uh, it's been added that you can't use language designed to trick someone who may not know it's against the rules to make up such an offer. Offer. So, for example, a player says something like, oh, no, we're going to draw. That's terrible for us. If only there was something we could do about it. And then waits for their opponent to come up with, with rolling a die on their own. Yeah. Okay. Just, just planting right. the seeds in their heads intentionally. Right. You know that if we, uh, if we draw, uh, or, you know, it comes up to the end, uh, if, yeah, uh, if, if we draw, then we're gonna leave one pack, you know, there's gonna be one less pack in the prize pool. However, will we solve this problem? I think. This seems like it would be hard to investigate, but I don't think it is. In no, reality. I think I think the vast majority of players, especially at competitive events, are going to be aware of this, uh, which means that it's still going to be a DQ for yeah. everybody who does it. Uh, yep. the, the the what right. this is really for is for the people who come to your pre-release and didn't know any better for the for the you know ten year olds at your event who go oh we're going to time. And the winner gets a pack. Let's just roll for it. And they don't know any better. Right. Uh, that player's the, the, still getting a match loss, but we're not telling them you cheated getting out of our event. The very first event I head judged, I had in round two, uh, a floor judge comes up to me and says, "We have we have a possible DQ for improperly determining a winner." And I'm like, "What? It's round it's round two. And I go over oh. there, and it's you know a player a pro a pro, a pro player. Who is saying, um, you know, hey, I, I got, I had to call, you know, he's apologizing to his opponent. I had to call a judge because if I don't, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the game off. And I'm like, what seems to be the problem? And he's like, um, the guy was just playing slow. He was new to magic. His opponent was, you know, I need you to play faster. I need you to play faster so we can finish. And the guy was like, oh, well, if we don't finish, it's no big deal. We'll just roll to see who wins. And, oh. and like, I, I remember like picking up picking up the the IPG and just like is there something right. anything I can do to not DQ this guy cuz he straight up didn't know. Right. He believed that was how it worked, right? Like Yeah, he was just like, "Oh, it's no big deal. We'll just we'll just we'll just roll." Right. This is the obvious yeah. solution. It's the obvious solution and I felt absolutely awful. And and he was uh, in tears because he'd driven up with his buddies all the way from Miami. You know, he'd driven six hours to play in this event and he was, had to just sit out and it, 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 I don't want to say it broke my heart, but it kind of did. It doesn't feel good. No, it, hurts. it really doesn't. It didn't feel, it didn't feel good for anybody involved. Um, and this is a type of change that, that really, uh, fixes that. You know, it's still, it's yep. still, it's still a match loss, but nobody's day is ruined. Right. It doesn't just del delete any chances. And it's, and for a, for a newer player, and this is going to mostly happen for new, for people who are newer to the game, for a newer player, a match loss feels, it might feel bad, but it's not like awful. The, the phrase disqualification like that has an inherent meaning and an and an inherent weight to right. it, even if it's the end of the day. That feels so bad, right? And because then you're asking them to fill out a statement as well. Like you're, you're trying, you're mm -hmm. trying. It, it, it's just this whole ordeal. Yeah. And, and the statements often. I asked my opponent if they wanted to roll a dice, and then they DQ'd me, right? And the the other piece is that these people get afraid. Like, oh, am I gonna am I gonna get banned? Am I gonna like? What's going to happen yeah. to me? Yeah. So you don't have to deal with that. All right, so, so let's 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 talk about bribery. Yeah, I was going to say let's, let's get more into these. Move on to that. Uh, so the thing about bribery and wagering that has changed uh, is basically exactly the same stuff. Uh, bribery and wagering is now a match loss. Uh, if you knew it was illegal, then you're you're breaking a rule on purpose, and uh, you are uh, going to be DQ'd. Uh, and the same thing, we removed the requirement that you have to tell a tournament official right away. Uh, and we've added the, the section 
that says that if you're trying to encourage your opponent to make an offer, you can be disqualified. Which I'm actually glad that we added this section because this actually gives more weight to to things. Because before, people could say kind of on the line things and you'd be like, well, it's not enough to DQ You could, you could really toe the line. And, you know, right. and like if something- Like some, at an LCQ, I'm only interested in the tickets. Uh Right. At a, well, at an LCQ, LCQ might be a bad example because because the where that normally happens is the last round of a single elimination event. Uh, uh, so you end up with a different. Set yeah, of rules if it's there. the last round, but if it's in like I, I actually had a, a, a DQ involved where it was like it was the second to last yeah. round. Yeah, I, th- so. I think I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. And and in that situation, if it's clear that somebody's trying to get their opponent to make an offer, or implying that their opponent should make an offer, or even implying an offer, like you know what? I think you're making an offer here. Um, or I think you're trying to get your opponent to make an offer. Why are you doing that? Um, yeah. And I think I think it's important these words are added because some people are going to try and get their opponent to make an offer so that they can call a judge and, and get their opponent a match loss. So there's there's been a lot of discussion. Uh, Toby, Toby's blog actually had a lot of comments about these particular changes uh, where people, people were going – that's not, you know, this isn't fair. This is a bad thing. People are going to, uh, to, to make offers to their opponents a lot more. To just more. abuse this all the time, right? Yeah. And and the the first thing is a, a match loss is still pretty bad. Like most most of the times where bribery takes place is in the last two rounds of Swiss. When there's something most, on the most line. Most of the time, when losing is bad. That? When yeah. When right. there's something right. guaranteed on the line. Right. So, so a ma- in that particular regard, a match loss and a DQ are, are similar. A DQ knocks you completely out of prizes, whereas a match loss is just going to knock you further down in the standings. And if the only prizes are in the top eight, then you're shut out of those. So it's still, it's still bad. Um, now there is a, there, there is a small, like, problem here with that line of reasoning and that's just all of regular Ariel. Yeah, uh, the the jar is different. We're talking oh that's a that's a probably a distinction that we need yeah, to make. Yeah, that's why we're I'm, talking about we, we're talking about competitive Ariel only when we're talking about yes. all of this. Now, that being said, you're still not allowed to do this thing and if you do it knowing that you're not allowed to do it, you're 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 going to be disqualified. Uh you're still yeah. cheating. So, in in the jar this was moved from serious problems to general unwanted behaviors, which means that a player's there's not actually going to be a match loss. We just educate the players, tell them not to not to do that, um, and let them know that that if it if they do do that, if it happens again, they're getting disqualified from the event. Yeah. So uh, the, the one of the, one of the other points of concern is oh well now the opponent doesn't have to call a judge, so my risk goes down uh, in making an offer to the opponent. Okay, I I can I can get DQ'd, but since they don't have to call for a judge, um, I can go down. You can you can bank on I can, them not I can calling bank a judge. On, I can bank on them, and yeah, that is actually a bit of a concern. But it's there is still a risk to make the offer. Okay, um, uh, and there are still judges around, yep. and at the times when you're going to be making yep. those offers, that's when judges will be most present, listening to what people have to say. But what I don't like about this. Specific policy change is if I make the offer uh, to Brogan and Brogan's like, "Oh, that's not allowed. We need to call a judge." No, nah, no, nah, Brogan, why do you want to be that? Why you, you know, why you want to be that kind of person? Why do you want to be? Why, you, why you got it out for me? I can ah, uh, so so there is no longer an incentive. I can no longer point at the rules and say, "Look, I don't want to get disqualified." Right. I don't. I don't like that. I don't like the aspect that I can make you the bad guy. For me, trying to bribe you, don't like that aspect. Yeah, that is very true. And I would, I would say that if you are in a situation where a person is doing that to you, this is for the the players and judges who might be listening. Um, that person is with by them trying to put that social pressure on you. They're not worth it. You know, oh, why are you gonna do this to me? Why are you gonna? Why you, let's just let's just settle this out. Let's just figure this out. You know, like players, there's no need to get a judge involved. No, that person's not worth it. You call the you call a judge at that point. You know, you might have been. Uh, I mean, you were gonna do it anyway, but this just confirms that this person is knew that they were trying to do it, and now that they're gonna face consequences for it, they're trying to get out of it. Call a judge, bounce them like a basketball. <laughs> yeah, uh, and now if you know, if whatever your favorite bouncing item is. Now, if you're the judge at an event. uh when you would normally make an announcement about how 
bribery and wagery is not allowed, you should still make that announcement. And when I make that announcement, uh, I am still going to tell people that you are not allowed to, you know, to, to roll a die or flip a coin to determine the outcome of a match. You're not allowed to offer your opponent anything in exchange for a match result. Uh, you're not allowed to accept such an offer. If your opponent offers you any of these things, you are required to call attention to it. And if you do any of these things after I have told you not to, you will be disqualified from my event. <laughs> Because because they because now they because know. now they know now there might be people who didn't listen to my announcement and that's that's a right. thing you have to watch out for like you can't just assume people heard the announcements but uh but I think right now there's a lot of misinformation about this and people think now you don't get disqualified for it when that's not the case um you you still do get disqualified for this if you knew it was wrong if you are the kind of player that's worried about you know just wondering whether or not you're going to get disqualified for doing this you're going to get disqualified for doing this because you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. If you know enough to be worried about how close to the line you can get, you're probably going to cross the line. You are. You are already across the line. Yeah. Like I mean, you, 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 right. You that makes can't sense. do this and get away with it if you know it's wrong. Yeah. Uh, I I also like the fact that that judges are probably going to be a little more willing to give the match loss than like like let's let's be honest here. There there is yeah. a there is a lot of I don't want to give the DQ. The 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 one thing the one thing that's great about this that that you're not going to notice is the player investigation committee. A huge number of the stuff that they they deal with are these these types of I didn't know type offers at uh, FNMs at pre-releases at PPTQs uh, uh, or soon soon to be MCQs maybe possibly. Don't know those will probably be a little bit larger, but <laughs> we do not know the full yeah, details. Nobody, nobody knows yet. Um, so in in that regard, it actually like this does happen at FNMs. This happens a lot, um, and this eliminates that uh, that need for the investigation yeah. and warning letters and 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 that whole yeah. process that has a real accusatory feel for it. Because if you didn't know, then just the you know. Tell them no uh, and move on. And if they keep doing it, then yeah, that's when it gets back. There's a fringe benefit for me here, which is that that I feel a lot less stress playing in a Magic tournament at like FNM or a pre-release right now because of this rule change. Uh, oh, because, yeah. Because if somebody does offer to roll a die, now I can say, oh, hey, that's not allowed. Let me explain to you from my you know position sort of as a mentor in the community why that's not allowed and how it's a bad thing and what happens at events if this if this occurs rather than just being like, well, now I got to call a judge and get this, this kid DQ'd. Right. There yeah. Was- so, so you don't have to feel like you have to constantly be playing the, the, judge right, the, the like the I got to preempt it so that they can't do it. And then I'm going to say something and they're going to be like, mm-hmm. what well, makes you think I was going to bribe you? Like I, that's yeah. not where mm-hmm. I was going with that. I actually, at the, at the last, uh, at the last pre-release, I got to the last round and what I wanted to do was I wanted to draw because the the way the prizes worked out, it would be the same thing as us just splitting. And like starting that conversation, I always get a little apprehensive. Like I want to say, "Would you like to draw?" Right, but then you don't want you them know? to, you know, counter offer. But something. I don't, I don't want them to make any sort of counter offer or anything like that. So I've always got this, you know, "Do you want to draw?" And then I sit there and listen, kind of cringing to ready to jump on it if they even. <laughs> sniff like they're going down the wrong line. So no, 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 stop, 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 stop. <laughs> Don't say anything. Yeah. Just do you want to draw? <laughs> yeah. And it, it did. It, this this eliminates the need for that. And I'm really, I'm really happy about its impact at regular. Uh, I'm okay-ish with its impact at, at uh, like the lower level competitive rail stuff. And you still have at the, at the higher level, at the higher tier stuff, you still have the DQ, mm-hmm. like because they're gonna know. Yeah, they know. They know. Uh, yep. Yeah, most most of them do. It's not. I think it's not going to be as big of a, a, a difference at higher level events as, as other people think it might be. Um, there, there's still going to be a weird song and dance yep. about. People it. are going to be like, "Oh, well, what can I say?" So as not to get a match loss. I'm like, mm-hmm. "You're not getting a match loss, friend. It's not happening." Uh, <laughs> because you because know. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's. But yeah, this. I think this is going to be a. a, a Really good quality of life change yeah, I, for pre-released FNM. I do too. All right, so 
so are there any of the changes we needed to go over? I think that's it, right? To to uh, there were there were some other like really minor like word changes here and there, but it's not worth calling out. All right. Well, I'd like to just say that everybody can find our archive at judgecast.com, uh, where you can find our learn to judge section. You can also contact us by email, judgecast at gmail.com, or find us on Facebook or Twitter. And please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. That being said, I'd just like to say that I'm Jess Dunks, and I keep it fair. I'm Brogan King, and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prilliman, and I'm going to keep playing King of Hearts 3. 